This is Critical Reflection 1 for Sociology. Starting off to question 1 on power and oppression. Um, the first example we see in our life of oppression and tension and such of that can be with gender assignment. The gender assignment is often given at birth and typically it can be lived out without conflict uh, that we carry through our social assignments. Using bathrooms as an example, if you are born a male and you associate as a male, um, you go to the male bathroom. That's the social assignment for you in a sense. The conflict would happen when somebody does not associate with that gender that they are born with. Um, a transgender, gender queer, gender fluid person, whichever the case may be, will feel tension in this based on the societal norms, quote unquote, and expectations that the family, friends, and school may put onto them as they're trying to associate with their identity and who they feel that they are, and they're not able to live that out just based on the societal implications. This same sort of tension can be carried into language especially for people not speaking English, as it's the more dominant language in the U.S. and other places. Canada is partially an exception, at least in the Maritimes particular, with the majority like being bilingual. Um, it's seen as an advantage to be uh, bilingual with French and stuff like that. Um, but in the U.S., it's majority uh, English. For Spanish people, especially since Donald Trump has come into office and uh, done his build a wall episode, I don't want to say movement or anything like that because it's far from organized or anything like that, but it's created that racial stigma and stereotype and it's resulting in um, Hispanic people being seen as others rather than just people. And this can be supported because many of the families that have immigrated have actually lost their language by the third generation as it's not seen to be used it's they will learn english that's the advantage for them often the clashes of power and oppression happen when the social messages from media and schools conflict from the reality um, for example if uh, white people are seeing things on the internet and on social media that are not addressing racism and accounting for everything that is happening and they're in a point of uh white supremacy let's say like white privilege and they're not facing these aversions they're not going to necessarily believe it's there or think that it would be there so when they're not facing that same reality as a black person, for example, they're often unknowingly speaking from a point of that white privilege and discrediting victims of racial profiling and stigmas. Um, often, in some cases, other races and identities are compared and contrasted to white people as it doesn't seem to be the preferred norm of society. Um, we often see people who are trying to argue police brutality numbers or whichever the case may be, they'll be comparing it to white people and black people and to show that discrimination. This can even go to the point of someone thinking of starting a family when they're trying to conceive and have a healthy childbirth. It's usually assumed that the education, money, healthy lifestyle will produce the same healthy birth outcomes. But in the U S they've actually found regardless of these things, including DNA, 
black women have worse birth outcomes than white women and they experience higher infant death maternal deaths and lower birth weights and this is believed to be linked to the external stressors that black people face compared to the white women so these vectors of oppression will go on to affect generations to move on to intersectionality um is the idea that racism sexism and many other social issues are not just individual things they're often overlapping so for example um being a black woman now you're going to face racism and sexism because they're going to overlap and create multiple levels of social injustice this can be seen as the same way being black in a male piece of poverty can be multiple levels of predisposed oppressions through you know systematic racism and police brutality. We saw that with George Floyd and Trayvon Martin. The example that was used in the TED Talks uh, was Emma DeGraffin. She was a working wife and mother. She was a black woman, and she had filed a complaint against a local car manufacturing plant for race and gender discrimination. She was simply looking for better employment for herself and to make her family better with more money and give them more opportunities. But she was not given this job despite all any of her qualifications. When she had brought it to the court, the judge had dismissed her claim because the employer did hire black people and it had hired women. But Emma had argued that all the black people that had been hired were men for industrial jobs and all the women that were hired were white working as secretaries and doing office jobs. But the judge didn't look into this claim anymore because he had felt that this would give her a preferential treatment and she would now have an advantage getting two swings at the bat when the others had only one swing at the bat. But this doesn't work because neither the black men nor women in this job had to create a claim to tell their story of discrimination to the point that they were experiencing it. The job did not allow black women to work there. And the court had doubled down on this by dismissing the case simply because there was no name for this problem. With no name for the problem, you're simply not going to be able to see the problem. And at that point, you're not going to be able to see it. So the problem Emma was facing was a framing problem because it was partially race, partially sex, and that would cause the distortion. So the judge had dismissed it, like I say, based on the fact that she was black, there's black people working there, and there's women, and there's women working there. So he just dismissed it like that, but really she just didn't fit into either of those situations. So to bring the judge to a point where he could see the story in Dilemma, an analogy of an intersection is used. So when you're picturing an intersection, there's a road, there's going to be cars on it. And to make them symbolic, the road would um, be the way the workforce was structured by race and gender. And the traffic on the roads would be the hiring policies and other practices ran through these roads. So since Emma was a black woman, she is right in the crossroads of this, uh, experiencing both sides of the discrimination. And the law would have simply been an ambulance ready to help, but only on the roads where they were not intersecting. They were ready to help in one road of racism or one road of sexism. They couldn't see it from the intersectional point. 
and this type of thing can be used for more than just racism and sexism. It could be used for ableism, homophobia, transphobia, and any other sort of social dilemma. And more uh, recent examples of this could be George Floyd, like I say, sexism as in he was a black male, and then racism. And same with Trayvon Martin, it could be age and race. Um Zuckerman that had uh, shot him saw a young black man, uh, specifically like teenager, so he thought he was up to no good type of thing and did an awful thing simply based on these. So the intersectionality really gets the both sides that may not just be racism, it can extend farther than that.